Hello, I am Tracy Hitchings. My guest is from the Progressive Underground. It's the Kev Rowland 40 Minutes. It's just so, so beautiful. That sound of rain on the tin roofs here hasn't stopped for a couple of days. And it's really a lovely welcome break for our thirsty land. So, however, you know, do be careful out there as it's um, got to that flooding point in the parks and on the roads here. So be safe and vigilant if you're driving. Um, especially if you're listening to the show, be very safe, please. And whatever the weather is, wherever you are in the world, get the best of it at the moment because it will change Um, because that's what the weather does, whether we like it or not. So let's get back to the author of The Progressive Underground, who is also a world-renowned music critic, columnist, and so much more. You can listen here on TPW, Tracy's Prog World, back in season one for Kev's more detailed history and music. He's also popped back here to chat at the beginning of season two, just January gone. He's got so much to say. <laughs> so welcome back, the walking encyclopedia, otherwise known as Kev Rowland. Hello. Hey, Tracy, how are you going? I'm great, Kev. I know you've been up to lots. Yeah, there's, um, I'm fortunate to be here in New Zealand. So the music scene is incredibly vibrant we're very lucky and one thing about having borders closed is maybe not quite so much room for international acts at the moment which means a lot of the smaller acts are getting a look around which is good now i also understand before we go into that that you all of your three well the three book set of the progressive underground is now available um, on all good digital outlets job done eh job done for now that's first stage Starting to work on book four, um, still writing normal reviews for various websites and magazines, etc. So there's always so much music, so much great talent out there that needs to be really have a spotlight shone on it. And, you know, there's just so much wonderful music, much, much more than what you just hear on the radio. This is the great thing about where we are now in the world with these podcastings and being able to share all this stuff and me learning about all these new things as well. So it's very exciting. So now I know you've been um, just back from one of the festivals, a legendary, well, known as a legendary great party, otherwise known as the Auckland Folk Festival, which claims to be fiercely independent and proudly pioneering. So um, what music, what amazing music have you discovered, Kevin? Uh the folk festival was an amazing place because it was two and a half music, two and a half days, I should say, seven stages, pretty much all going at the same time. So for me, I was there covering it supposedly, and there's just so much to take in. So of all the bands that were there, the one, the only ones I'd seen before were Looking for Alaska, which is an, a most amazing male and female duo. And the singer, Amy, was the only belter there all weekend, which was quite interesting. So it's very different style to everybody else. That really made them stand out. And the other person who was there who I'd seen before was Troy Kingy, who I know you've had a discussion with Matt about him as well in the previous show. Um, so he was here playing his new album for the first time because he's still on this 10, 10, 10 trip of 10 albums, 10 different styles in 10 years. So this was the one that was supposedly folk. Um, I put it down more as Queens of the Stone Age meets the Beatles, which wow. isn't really folk. <laughs> um, but on the Sunday afternoon, he had a set at four o'clock in the main tent and there was a thousand people there to watch it. So he did that and then he was on the Saturday, the Sunday night as well. 
But to be honest, the ones that really hit home for me were some people I'd never come across before, a couple of very different types of bands. And the first one I'd like to share with you is a band called Aro, A-R-O. They are a duo, aren't they? They are a duo. Uh, a beautiful young girl, very light. Oh, gosh. Brilliant. Yeah, ab- absolutely amazing. They, it's a husband and wife duo, and they performed at the festival when I think she was 32 or 33 weeks pregnant, um, which was quite something. And yeah, they sing in Toreo. He's got a most wonderful voice and he plays acoustic guitar. And Emily has a basically a device on her microphone stand, which allows her to press a button and she gets thirds and fifths harmonies automatically against her own voice. Or then the other things that she was doing was she would record herself um, using the box, play it back. So that would then create a loop and she would be singing against the loop. So there was a lot going on vocally, which was very interesting. And they were playing songs from their debut album and from the EP, um, which came out not long afterwards. And all of those songs were inspired by different birds, different native birds in New Zealand. And even for myself, and I only speak the odd word of Toreo, uh, absolutely fascinating. And Charles was explaining beforehand what the song was about, what the bird meant and why it was important. And then to hear Toreo sung like that with two amazing voices mingling was just absolutely incredible. Um, another band that made a massive impact on me was a band called The Eastern. And the best way I can describe them is The Levelers. Anybody who's particularly British of a certain age, will remember the Levelers, which came out of the Brighton underground scene in the late 70s, early 80s. And this is a very similar band, both politically and in our, and the way that they perform, full of high energy. And they played a set on the Saturday afternoon first. And everybody's having fun, and it's a highly political set. Um, someone apparently had written to the band the last time they played at Auckland Folk Festival and said you need to keep the politics out of folk, which is sort of a strange thing considering how much folk music had been political over the years. So needless to say, every single song they played in this set was political. Um, Apart from near the end, they'd all jumped off the stage and they're all singing and everything. And there was a lot of kids there, a lot of kids at the front. And they're all now staring up at the band. And so... The lead singer, and he said, oh, this is no good. Kids don't know what we're singing about. So he got everybody to kneel down. This is the whole little band. And given that one of the guys was playing a double bass, that, you know, he had to find a way of laying the bass down and sit. And they then promptly did Old MacDonald Had a Farm. And they were having <laughs> the kids choose the animal all the way through. And it just really brought it home to me how much this was a family event. Wow. And it really did feel that way. And I came away having heard... Um, having heard so much incredible music over two days and it was quite unlike anything I'd been to before because I've been to other festivals and I've been to other folk festivals. In fact, I flew to the other side of the world to see Fairport Convention at their (laughs) 50th anniversary folk festival in 2017. Literally flew to the other side of the world just for that concert. Um, So folk's always been a big thing for me, but just have seven stages going and I went into one tent and it was a duo playing different types of Northumbrian pipes. That's one type of folk. Go into another tent and it would be acoustic guitars. Go into another tent and there's a fiddle player. You know, and it was just wonderful to come away with such a 
such a great feeling of the of the music scene here in New Zealand because due to the border ban, this year was the first year they had no international acts. So everybody was local. Everybody was Kiwi. And it was it was really, really good. It was a really enjoyable weekend. Um, massive opportunity to see great music. And for me, the added advantage, it's not too far away. It was in West Auckland. So it's actually only about two miles from where one of my daughters lives, which was great because wow. I could go to the gig and then stay at her house and go back to the gig the next day. Have a point. <laughs> which is a bit different to the festival I went to on Thursday last week. Right. Because last Thursday I went to Earthbeat. Um, Earthbeat is a, I think I'd best call it an alternative festival. Um, where music is a small part of the overall. And there they only have one music stage, but they have multiple workshops going on all the time, different types of healing, getting touched with nature, um, all this sort of thing. I mean, there were about 30 food stands and they were either vegetarian or vegan. It was all about being really back to nature. One of the most amazing things for me was I was reading the FAQs the day before and I was really glad that I did. This was a no-waste festival. There were no waste festival. There were no rubbish bins. If you wanted to buy food from the vendors, you had to take your own plate. You had to take your own cutlery. If you wanted to buy a drink from the vendors, you had to have your own cup. Um, and that was all clearly laid out beforehand. Um, there was no glitter or, or even biodegradable glitter allowed this year, although there was lots of paint and I did see a few with glitter. But it was all about being at one with nature. And again, an incredibly friendly festival. I mean, some rock festivals, et cetera, can feel a little bit over the top and aggressive and a bit dark at times. But this just all the way through, it just felt like there was a shining of light through everything. I specifically went to see a band called In the Shallows, which is a Wellington-based folk duo, another husband and wife team. And they both play acoustic guitar. Um, at times, one of them will play electric. Um, it was actually Danny's first time ever playing electric in front of an audience, so she was a bit concerned. And she has a beautiful voice, and she does most of the singing. Um, and Lance backs her up on, you know, here and there, but he doesn't really take lead. But to me, this was just yet another wonderful opportunity to see an amazing, an amazing duo. And to me, there's something about just standing up there with an acoustic guitar in your voice and no room to hide. You know, it's the afternoon, so there's no lights being used. It's just basically sunshine and a, I think there were some blue lights behind, but there's no effects. There's nothing special. There's just two people stood on stage behind some microphones. And that is music in its absolute purest form for me. And they were great. Um, it was worth a hundred plus, um, kilometer drive each way to go and see them. Um, but I took, I love, there was lots of signs leading up to it. It was held in a nature reserve and the main stage was down by the water. It's the top of the Kuiper Harbor. And one of the signs said, every good festival starts at the end of a gravel road, which I thought was lovely because you had to drive on these massive gravel, these long gravel roads to get to the site. Sounds right. Sounds right. <laughs> Yeah, um, but it was just, it felt, and I'm not old enough to experience it, but it's what I imagine the festivals of the late 60s to, to be like, that sort of atmosphere. Um, it was a beautiful sunny day and everybody was just, everybody was happy. Um, it really was. There was a, 
there was one tent which was marked up free PlayStation. And if you looked inside, there was lots of kids playing with wooden toys. You know, it was just, it was a PlayStation. It was a place for people to go to play. Um, I was watching, there was a children's tent where they were making pottery and all this sort of thing. You could see Reiki healing going on. You know, it just was one of those. It just really was a wonderful place. Really was. So, Things are coming. Things are really coming back to nature now. That that's always been there, but it really sounds profoundly like these two festivals. Um, if I'm just going back to what you said about the original festival, the Folkland Festival, um, uh, um, Auckland Festival, uh, not Folkland. <laughs> Play on words there, because that was saying it sounds the same as, but slightly different, but the same thing that the, the Earthbeat Music Festival in Auckland, the Folk Festival, which is meant to be a place where you play, learn, revitalize, make new connections, and return to the world, world grounded and inspired. So this other one now sounds just like that. Just different things pulled into it, but still of the same nature. Yeah, and there's another festival taking place in a couple of weeks called the Spirit Festival, which is on the same, very more similar to Earthbeat than, folk, than the Folk Festival. Um, and yeah, just really, really special. One thing I liked about the Folk Festival as well was, there was they had a couple of different things going on. So one was um, what they call in the round sessions, where you had three different artists on the stage and literally everyone would sing a song in turn. So it allowed you to go to one of those sessions and go, actually, I really like them. I'm going to go and see their main set. Or I really like that one. I really like that one. Um, And I think possibly the band that had the biggest impression over the weekend was Looking for Alaska. Um, They they had two sets as well as doing a round. And it was interesting because it was fairly obvious. Very few people knew who they were when they got there. And they'd played in the round – on the Saturday afternoon. Then they had a small set Saturday evening and then they were playing again Sunday afternoon, but they were on the same time as Troy Kingy. Oh. Or, you know, there was an overlap Ouch. and I thought, well, there's, there's going to be a problem there. Yeah. So I had to go and see Troy. Yeah. But as soon as Troy was finishing his last number, I was out of the tent running over to the other tent only to find the other tent was full as well. So that actually showed just how much of an impression Looking for Alaska had made in a very short period of time. Wow. And one, one thing I loved about that set as well, they had their bass player with them. He wasn't there the previous day, but he was there that afternoon, and he plays a five-string bass. And um, whilst he was playing, um, a string snapped. So <laughs> the guys kept going, and he's thinking, well, I haven't got time to change the bass. So whilst they're going, he retuned his bass so he then played a four-string bass, but he actually just st- – and I'm thinking that's the sign of a musician. You can just Whoa. retune everything on the fly and then go back. Then he's now playing a different instrument, if you like, from what he was playing before. Um, so that impressed me greatly. Um, but there was, there was a lot to take in from bluegrass through to folk rock, and it was just – to me, it's a festival. It's the first time I've ever been, and it's a festival that I'm going to try really, really hard never to miss ever again. Sounds fantastic. Oh, as you know, you've you've got me a bit jealous. I mean, I could go out to see music here. I'm just not making myself go. I don't can't be bothered to travel up to Brisbane at the moment. <laughs> Too much going on down here. But it's just great to hear this. They sound really like the sort of festivals I'd love to go to. Uh, that's me all over what you're expressing. It really is. So. Yeah, maybe next year. Who knows when the borders are opened? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to come up, pop over to your way. Um, I'd like to go back and ask you a couple of questions here, actually. Going back to Arrow, yep. um, the, the husband and wife team. Yep. 
I understand that uh, she sings in a Maori language. Yeah, they both sing in, um, they, most of their songs are in Toreo, which is the to- Maori uh, language. To- oh, sorry, you did say that. So it's Toreo. Yeah. Thank you. And I, two, two words, T-E, then R-E-O. Oh, thank you for that. And I understand that she also sings. They also sing, sing about wildlife, bird life, native bird life. And I've seen an interview with them where they um, didn't understand why they were asked because they didn't see themselves as folk. And they realised it was through their lyrics that the folk aspect is where they got the tap on the shoulder to go to that particular festival. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because you've got this conglomerate of music coming around in the folk festivals, but they, some of them don't understand why they're being asked. But it just, you know, it, it just, it's a wide thing in a way. Do you know how to explain that yourself? Because we've had this in prog as well. But how would you um, conjure that up? To me, they were quite folky, I thought, actually. You know, but what is folk? Um, what is it now? I think the, the thing for I think folk is an even wider church than prog, or possibly even a wider church than metal. Wow. All these get broken down into subgenres. But mm. when we when we think about folk from an English background, we tend to talk about the tradition, um, which is the old um, style folk music that was. You think of Morris dancers and that sort of thing and the traditional folk that was coming out that particularly that people were going back to in the 60s with the Watersons and, and people like that, Martin Carthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, that then got developed in the UK into folk rock with the likes of Fairport Convention, Steel mm. Ice Band, mm. Incredible String Band, etc. Um, but there's been lots, there's lots and lots of different styles. So if you think of... Um, Celtic folk, for example, so the folk that came out particularly out of Ireland, Scotland, that is very, very different to English folk. And then you think of American folk, we think more of Arlo Guthrie, um, mm. Woody Guthrie, not Arlo Guthrie, Arlo was his yeah. son, but Woody Guthrie and um, Tom Sexton and a whole load of things that came out of the American scene. And you end up with some folk music that is almost country and Western. You've got some folk music that's very Celtic, others others that go into tradition and others which are almost pretty much just singer-songwriter. And it's almost as, you know, Troy Kingy played an electric, Troy Kingy and his partner Delaney both played electric guitar on Saturday and Sunday. And there were people there going, what is going on? An electric guitar does not belong at a folk concert. And we all remember about Bob Dylan going electric um, in the 60s at the Newport Jazz Festival and creating almost a riot. There you go. Um, so, yeah, it's, it seems to be almost acoustic. Um, but I think the other thing for Aro, another reason why they might have been tapped, is not only are they very much advocates for the use of Toreo, but they go into schools. I don't know if you've seen it. They have a program where they actually go into schools and they use the songs to teach kids and talk to kids. And they've had a, a lot of work in schools, which I think is absolutely marvelous. And the thing for me is they're such nice people. You know, I never met them before the festival. I've reviewed RO material since then. I Emily um, is also releasing singles that are in her, own, in her own right. And I've been reviewing them. But the latest RO single is called Baby Beat. And it starts with the ultrasound of their unborn baby's heartbeat. And, and they turn that into something, and they actually release the single after she was born. Um, Olivia, I think she's called. And um, it's just absolutely marvellous. It's the sort of music I can sit and listen to and play on repeat. And I, I get sent a lot of music, but there's something fresh about what they're doing, something... Mm-hmm 
really inviting. Yes. Um, and I just absolutely love what they're doing. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because their ethos about going into schools and teaching is that similar of Mary and Cairns and what she did going across the whole of the top of Australia, going into the Indigenous schools and with her music, because she wrote about um, all different... Uh, all the famous well-known people in Australia that she wrote about she took into the schools and taught basically and it was fascinating that's reminding of me these two of these two but they're doing it and are they keeping it to the language do you know to to that language yeah, yeah they are yeah they do and, they do some in English as well yeah. but it's, it's mostly in Tereo but yeah. you go back to Marion's album and I'm going to say it's called Feminist Australis but it's that may not be right it's an absolutely incredible album. Um, I learned so much from that album because uh, for those who haven't heard it, it tells each song is a story and each song is about a strong Australian woman. Not all of them famous, not all of them well-known, um, but the lyrics will tell. And then there's in the booklet, there's an explanation of what they did as well and what they were known for. And absolutely incredible it made me go and research some of the people i mean one of them was a song all about the first ever female tram driver in melbourne yeah yeah you know and it's incredible isn't yeah. it <laughs> and um ned kelly's sister is another you know yeah that that was a great love that yeah, yeah. um but one thing there was I was trying to think of Ned Kelly. Sorry, I beg your pardon. That's what I was trying to think of <laughs> one of the cowboys yeah. one thing that was one thing that was interesting for me, there was actually an Australian duo there at the folk festival. Um, they sort of got in because they're living in Waikato now, so they, so they got um, past the borders. And then they're called Sadie and Jay. And Jay plays acoustic guitar and sings. And Sadie plays double bass and sings. And they have um, – they were performing these songs and all about <laughs> – but the vast majority of them about Australia, about people in Australia. So there's a song here called Salvation Jane, and that's all about the woman who released a, or took a certain plant into her garden, which has now turned out to be one of the most ferocious weeds in Australia. <laughs> um, and she's the person who apparently introduced it. There's another one about a song about a mining disaster and, and, and. And when they performed, they performed with a guest violinist. And the violinist is told, follow the music, you know, that, do what you like around the music. There is, we don't score it for you. You just go and play. Now, what was interesting for me is I have for many years been friends with another, well, Austra Anglo-Australian duo called Monday Turner. And in fact, we used to go and see Monday Turner when we lived in the UK. And uh, when I say we, me, my, me and my wife and two youngest daughters used to follow them around folk clubs strangely enough and um they are very very similar both in style and in the actual songs the style the songs and the lyrics and everything they do and i found it absolutely incredible and i i asked sadie if she knew kath and jay and she said yes she did but not personally and i noticed that they follow each other on facebook because i did some digging uh, but the album, the album, A Passing of Seasons, is incredible. And um, I'll be reviewing that one soon. But it's just interesting to me to again hear people who've come from different walks of life, totally different backgrounds, and they've ended up yeah. independently yeah. performing music that's very similar. And they're all about telling stories. And I can remember when we lived in the UK, Kath and Jay at every concert would give out a post, would give out postcards, which you were to sign and send to the, 
um, I want to say premier, that may not be right, of Queensland, I think it was Queensland, to give the money back to the native peoples because apparently um, lots of Aborigines were forced to work for the white people and they were paid a pittance, but then they didn't even get that money. It's all been held back. And this was all about trying to create political awareness um, from the UK all the way to Australia. And these songs are similar and they just started to chord with me. Um, songs with meaning. Beautiful. And um, was there a band on one of those festivals, could have been the Auckland folk, called Swamp Thing? Ah, uh, no, they were Earthbeat. I didn't actually see them, I'm afraid. No. Oh, right. I just really wondered what that was like live. I've seen a couple of clips. But <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to know. I'm just, I love the name. I love the title. <laughs> one thing that I did see at the, at the Earthbeat, I, was, I went specifically for In the Shallows. Um, but I happened to get there early, like I always do, and I was wandering around. And then I realised there was another band playing, and they were called the Dirty Happies, I think. Um, and they were a reggae band. And they were playing all different types of popular tunes, but playing them in a reggae style or a soft folk style. So while they did um, jamming, the sort of thing you would expect, actually the best one for me was Sweet Dreams Are Made Of This as a reggae number, <laughs> which, which I thought was really, really quite special. So Is that Annie Lennox or Eurythmics? Can't remember which I it think was. it was Eurythmics. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, the Dirty Happies is the band. He says, right. looking at his review that he <laughs> wrote and is already available on music.net.nz for anybody who wants to read it. It's a, I'll tell you, that site itself has become such a godsend for me to understand the local scene. So it's Brilliant. music with a Z. Yes. But it's a New Zealand website written by Kiwis, uh, about Kiwis, for Kiwis, if you like. So the idea is we only write about New Zealand music. We only write about New Zealand bands and artists. So I was at a gig on Saturday, so literally two days ago, and it was Capital Theatre supported by Cherry Blind and the band that I went to see, which is White Noise Mafia, who I honestly believe are going to be one of the biggest bands to come out of. New Zealand, they are already making a huge presence. And it really brought it home to me on Saturday. They started playing four guys, average age 20-ish, maybe, 2021. 20, and 30 seconds into the first number, they had everybody packed against the stage. And I'm going, wow. everybody literally come running down from the back to see what was going on. So what was their lineup? What's their lineup? Um, standard four-piece. So singer plays guitar, then there's a lead guitarist, a bassist, and a drummer. So it's nothing, there's nothing very clever about what they do. It's good old-fashioned, um, high-energy, high-octane, anthemic rock. Um, so metal, yes, but it's fairly generic metal. It's not like anything that you'd say, oh, they're doing mathcore or they're doing progressive, they're doing black metal or anything like that. It's fairly generic, but it's commercial and it's fun. And the lead singer, and he's only 20, um, Chris, is... It's just got that perfect front man come hither. He can read a crowd all the time. He can get them doing whatever he wants to. And at one point in the set, he's, the, the crowd was moshing. This is a young crowd and actually there's a big female contingent in the crowd and they were getting pretty hairy to the point that Louis de Jong, who's the guitarist and front man with Alien Weaponry, 
and I think he's 18. Um, you know, one of the biggest selling bands in New Zealand. He actually walked back from the stage and as he walked past me, all I heard was, I'm getting too old for this shit. And <laughs> because the crowd was so intense. And oh, I love that. But Chris split the crowd in two and he said, wait for it, wait for it. And then he got everybody to come together and, you know, into one great big, like a clash of titans almost and then during the last song they did something which is possibly well best well known for slipknot and um slipknot do this in the song called spit it out and they do it in a she had cover which they end the set with where they get everybody to kneel down on the ground so everybody in the venue suddenly is kneeling on the ground and they all have to wait for a specific moment to all jump up at the same time and just go crazy and it's i've seen them do this now three or four times and it's incredible. Now, this was at the Tuning Fork, which is probably number three on the list of premier um, Auckland venues. So top being Spark Arena, then number two being Power Station. Number three is probably Tuning Fork. White Noise Mafia have only been in existence for six months. So they are on a rocket ride. And right. in my mind, deservedly so. There's something about them that's infectious. Again, they're all nice guys and they listen they listen to advice. They're, they're asking people's opinions. They want to know what they can do better, what they can do different. Um, Sounds like they're engaging, isn't it? Yeah, they're they are. Engaging. And the, interesting, yeah. The, good thing for, the interesting thing for me is um, I saw three sets of parents there out of the four on Saturday night because I was introduced to them. Um, so they've definitely got the support of the parents um, as well. And I think that that's a lot at that age. What's their age group? What their age, 2021. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> Fueled up, hey. <laughs> yeah. The world is their oyster and they yeah, see it that yeah. way. Oh, that's you know, just wonderful. Um, the fact that that age also, they're so engaging. I, I just do think the kids are coming through with what maybe our area doesn't have so much of. They just got this, they have this intelligence there. They have this understanding there. Isn't that great? That's great to hear that. They're engaging like that. I think all these bands as well, all these, they're all grounded. And what I find really interesting is I've been around the scene a long time, Tracy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yo, bugger. And I, ha I have, I'm very old. I have come <laughs> across various people in bands and band hanger on, et cetera, which shall I say, I wouldn't want to go for a beer with. Um, really? Just leave it like that. Leave uh, it yeah. like that. Oh God, you've no, got me uh, wanting to know. <laughs> but I have to say, well, well, I did actually have one person come up to me one day and he just met a band member of another band that we were supporting for the first time ever in his life. And he walked up to me and he said, that person has the most instantly punchable face I have ever seen. And I went. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So you totally agreed. Right. Yeah. So I yeah. totally agreed. Yeah. But the guys here, in, the guys here, they all want to help each other. They're all trying to. They all support each other. I mean, I was there on Saturday night. I saw, um, obviously, Alien Weaponry were there. I saw some guys from Headlock Grave. I saw some guys from Mariner. There was. There's lots of different bands there. People from different bands there supporting um, their mates, and you see it. Yeah, you know, they all do it to each other. You know, and it was Saturday night. Unfortunately for me, it was one of those where I'd like to have been in two places. Cafe Fistfight were playing another gig, but mm. I'd already promised myself to this one. <laughs> um, and you can only be in one place at once. And yeah, the next, the next time White, White Noise Mafia are back at Tuning Fork at the beginning of May, which is incredible. And they're supporting one of my favorite bands, which is Caridian. And 
it's great, apart from the fact I'm going to see Beast Wars the same night because they're on a 10th anniversary tour and they're one of the best <laughs> bands out of Wellington and I'd already committed to it and there's just so much music. Kev, I could be out every night if I wanted to. Kev, um, I'm just curious, all right, <laughs> because this is so great that you can share this, particularly as people aren't able across the globe to be able to get out. So it's great that you can share this and people can look this up for those that do have albums out there. But the question I'm coming to, I suppose, is how are you still doing this and having such enthusiasm? Because sometimes it can even how much, however much we love music, it can become uh, sometimes a little wearing on us. But you sound as excited as a person who's about the age of 21, like these guys you were just talking about, and you look at it as well. <laughs> it's like, yummy, I've got more to review and things, isn't it? I mean, it's a really yummy. <laughs> what is it? Is it just the pure love of it? What's there for you? It comes back to, I think, to what I've... I've always been fascinated by music I've always loved music and I've always enjoyed being involved in music and writing about it and trying to get people to understand and getting back into the local scene this is so so much like it was for me in the 90s um you know I got to the I got to the venue on Saturday night there were two guys from White Noise Mafia were sat outside now I actually do a lot of work with two of the guys and this was the other two right yeah um literally they saw me walking past and it was kev how you doing great to see you <laughs> so glad you could be here you know i get into the venue and there's other people from other bands coming up to me and um i don't know it's just i feel like i'm making a difference and yes. oh definitely for me, that's my driving force it's the same at work yeah. i've all i've ever wanted to do at work is to make other people's lives easier i yeah. work in a support function i work in it yeah. um it generally only want to be known by most people when something's going wrong. Otherwise, it's just accepted that it works. Um, I'm always there trying to go, well, how can we make people's lives easier? How can we make it better? And that's what I've been doing in this role at work for many years, you know, long before I came to New Zealand. And really, it's just what gives me a kick is what that's what motivates me. Money doesn't motivate me, never has. Um, hard work doesn't frighten me because I've done that all my life you know I started working part-time in retail when I was 14 by the time I was 21 22 I was doing 60 70 80 hours a week every week full-time in retail so for me that's normal so to be here and yesterday you know I went to the festival on Thursday I ended up being given the evening off on Friday because Crowded House pulled the media creds so I didn't get to see them on Friday night but that was fine by me because I could relax Saturday, I wrote the festival review. I did some other things around the book promotion and various other bits and pieces I needed to do. Yesterday, I sat down and I went to the gig Saturday night. Yesterday, I sat down and wrote 13 album reviews. Wow. Um, I'm going to, once I finish this here tonight, I've got to write the gig review from Saturday. I've got some other reviews that have to be out on music.net this week, a couple of albums, a couple of singles, and then I'll get back into my normal writing. And it's just, it's what I do. Yeah. So you have said that that there is a sense of duty in here for you in the past about variable things surrounding what you do. Because you do there's so many different facets as well to what you do. But there is also that pure joy is still there, which is really evident right here, right now. I mean, you've just got a smirk from ear to ear. <laughs> 
That's why we love you, Kev. We really do. <laughs> well, do you know what? You couldn't do this thing if you loved it, if you didn't love it. It's impossible. It's too hard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it brings me to something else I know that you wanted to bring up. And we are in the last five minutes because you're going to be having a regular spot here. So um, what bands need to consider when working on promotion what reviewers actually want. So this is something that you've said, um, uh, what you'd like to talk about. So if you can... Um... I, I think you had a guest on here um, a few weeks ago, Tom Smith, and he said something that um, I'd never heard it described quite that way before, but it's really sat with me, really resonated with me that, that people go and make an album and they think it's the most incredible thing ever and then they walk it into the biggest library in the world and they put it on the very tallest shelf and expect people to find it, Right. And that's true for the vast, vast majority of music. So make a reviewer's life easy. So it's very, very simple to make a reviewer's life easy. Make sure I've got the artwork. Make sure I know who played on it. Make sure who, I know who produced it. Where was it recorded? Tell me something about the band. Tell me where I can find more information. Give me your links. There's no point pointing me to Facebook. If when I then go onto Facebook, I look at the about section of Facebook, it doesn't tell me who plays what. And some bands are really, really good at this. And some bands are really, really shocking. I can go onto Bandcamp. Some bands will say there'll be a lot of information there about the album. There'll be information about who played what on where at the bottom. There'll be all these tags of how they view their music. That's all useful. Others, I had an album turn out the other day. I, I literally got sent a Bandcamp link and nothing about the band. I recognize, I didn't even tell me it was a Bandcamp link. It said, here's a download code which I recognized as a Bandcamp download code. So I went off and found out what it was. Never heard of the band before. Yeah, I actually contacted them and I went, yeah, I'm sorry, who are you? <laughs> oh, sorry, I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> but I do a lot more digging and chasing than most people <laughs> um, because that's, again, part of my duty. And I hate writing a review that's got nothing in it yeah. um, because at the end of the day, that's actually the, the more I can put in about the band and that, the more chances that you're going to actually go and try and discover it yourself. Yes, if I indeed. say it's just, oh, it's a Pink Floyd knockoff, it doesn't sound too yeah. bad. But if I actually say, oh, it's this, this, and they've done this, and they've, and they've did this together, and boom, boom, boom. Now, I always try and make it a rounded review. I'm not going to say I'm good at it. It's just the way I write. Well, we all know you. You're, you're so well known around the world for what you do. You've done so many different things. It's fascinating. I just want to go back and touch upon the fact you've brought out some of the outstanding bands that you liked. Um, a couple of questions I have about it. What was the close to being the most proggy that you've seen in this last week? I think of the bands I've seen recently, not so much in the last week, but definitely the, the most the most recent band that I've seen that is progressive is definitely outside. Outside in, in yeah. I saw them I saw them supporting Dragon recently. Um, I still have no idea how they got that gig because Dragon is for anybody who's who hasn't heard of them, they're one of the most famous New Zealand bands of all time. Another New Zealand band that actually made their name in Australia. Yes. Um, but they were huge in the 70s. And they're a great band, but somehow Outside In became the support, and I still don't know how. But um, I enjoyed them, even if most of the audience didn't, but that was all good. <laughs> but Caf them, and Caf them and Cafe Fist Fight, and I'm, I keep nagging both bands, you need to go out and play together because they will attract different people, but all, the whole audience will come away amazed at what they've mm. seen and really enjoy mm. it because they're both very different. So they're the most progressive bands I'm seeing at the moment in Auckland. Excellent. And what has been, I suppose, your favourite moment in watching uh, what you've seen over this past week? Um, 
what's been your just like, I just love that? Um, I think it's just got to be the absolute sheer delight of In the Shallows. They've got some amazing songs. Their debut album, which came out towards the end of last year, is simply stunning. And to hear two people just really capture an atmosphere and just two voices, acoustic guitars, a tiny bit of reverb on the voice. And I was entranced on Thursday afternoon and very, very special. I felt very fortunate to to be there to experience it. And just being there just made me feel how lucky I am that I'm here in New Zealand. The music felt grounded to the earth. The festival was grounded to the earth. And I just looked to the stage and I looked to my left over the water and I looked at the art installations. They're all there in the breeze. And I thought, this is special. Well, I want to thank you for sharing again. I love having you here. So Kev's going to become a bit of part of the wallpaper here, guys. He's going to be popping in at the moment, probably about once a month at the moment. And uh, uh, yeah, so it's going to be great because he's got so much knowledge he can share with us and what's going on in New Zealand, around the world and uh, keeping us on point as it is because he's just, he's just got the knowledge. He is the encyclopedia of the new age. <laughs> and as you said, Chaz Sniding is of the old. And uh, then we've got all these other wonderful things that are going on out there with books. So uh, yeah, so thank you so much for joining the gang, Kev. You bring it on, babe. You really do. And you're having all the fun doing it, aren't you? <laughs> I love it. I just love it. Yeah, you can, I wish you could all see me because obviously this is not a visual. Kev's like a little child. <laughs> But this really happy face, like he's just had the lollies and all the sweets he wants in the shop. So, you know, it's not fair. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thank you so much, darling. And all you wonderful fans out there, you've heard all the information that he's given. So check these new bands out. We're having to learn. We mustn't just stick with the old stuff we know and love. I know we can be sticklers, but we need to give these new bands, these new singers, these new duets, du- whatever they are, um, you know, from folk to, to prog, to rock, to metal, because they're all intertwined somewhere along the line. It really does. Um, so we need to give these a chance to so check them out. He's just giving you a bit of guidance there. And uh, yeah, so onwards and upwards with Kev. So this is Kev saying goodbye to you all out there. Bye, everyone. See you again next time. And I say, actually, I should have said, what message would you give to everybody? Would you just voice my opinion of what I give then listen to the music, please? You know, <laughs> get it, get out there and discover it. See what's happening locally. Look at the underground bands. Just just find a writer you can trust and follow that writer and let them introduce you to a brand new yeah. world. And that's Kev Rowland speaking. You'll be seeing him again here very soon. Thank you all so much for joining and supporting Tracy's Brog World. We love having you here. So I just want to say to you, look after yourselves, keep each other safe, love one another. And we'll see you again next week here on Tracy's Prog World. So you rang me the other day when I was actually at home. So so I, I take the phone and I go out and I'm walking around on the deck. Um, so I'm not disturbing Sarah. And I come back in and Sarah goes, who was that? I said, oh, that was Tracy. And she said, Tracy who? I said, Tracy Hitchens. And she looked at me and she went, was she the blonde bombshell? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like that. <laughs> oh, that's great. Love it. <laughs>